Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Something happening is definitely a spurt um, on us tonight. And I'm excited about what God's going to do with us. I, I want to kind of just say from the outset that I'd love to kind of any distractions that might stop you um, tonight to really hear from God. I pray that you kind of get rid of those. If it's i.e. your phone, if you're a young person, I challenge you to stick it under your seat and not use it. But really be open-minded, be fully engaged in what God's trying to say to us tonight. As we said, we've been following this theme, the charges of Timothy, over the last four or five weeks, and it's just been an absolute phenomenal series. It's been one of the favorites of mine over the years, have we kind of done our different things? Phil, um, the sublime, sublime, he called himself um, last week. Um, he went and he done the continue, the continue on, particularly around the Bible. The week before that, with Robbie, about preaching the word in our lives. May our lives be representation of what we read and in the word of Jesus. Then we had tasks to say about staying strong in our faith. Katie had to hold on to what you were taught, hold on to what you've been um, taught by um, the leaders, but also by all the people that's in your life. And Dave kicked us off by saying, stirring up the gifts inside us. We have to always remember that this is from Paul speaking to Timothy doing this. This is someone who is like a father and son relationship. He just wants the best for Timothy. And these are the charges that he's given Timothy. All throughout this course has kind of been, as I've been praying and sensing and reading through First and Second Timothy and even Titus, if you want to go further on, there's this kind of theme that I'm kind of getting in my spirit around transformation. It's about the fact that Paul just wants Timothy to be transformed into more like Christ. And everything that you read and everything and all the charges from First and, first and Second Timothy, we get the feel that Paul just wants his son in faith to better himself, to be more like Christ, to have bigger influence. And that is a context when we have to read it out of it. It's even when you look at, um, it's in 1 Timothy 3, 14, 15. This is a crust of what Paul wants from Timothy. It reads this, it says, I'm writing these things to you even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I'm delayed, you know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God, this is a church of the living God, which is a pillar and foundations of truth. So from the very outset, Paul wants Timothy to be this man of God that can lead the church into being what it's called to be. That is the heart behind Paul to Timothy. He wants to transform him through these letters, through these charges, to be the man that he knows and sees him to be. There's two main things when we look at this, and the simple is this, Paul trusts Timothy. He wouldn't be giving him these charges, he wouldn't have given him the church in Ephesus if he didn't trust him. So Paul trusts Timothy. He trusts what he carries. He trusts the gifts that he sees in him. But for me, the most important one out of these two is Timothy trusts Paul. They've got this relationship with that when Timothy, or when Paul speaks something to Timothy, whether he challenges him or charges him or encourages him, he takes it on and he says, that's from Paul, the man who loves me, the man who would do anything for me. I must look at this. 
So it's important to realize in this relationship, the trust is key for both parties. So when we look at transformation, I'm always drawn to know the kind of like the, let's get fit in like three, four months, the body coach. Who's heard of a body coach put their hands up? Anyone heard of, who's tried the body coach put their hands up? I've tried it, right? But when you look at the body coach, it's all about body transformation. It's all about transforming your body from a place where you don't like it, maybe if a few rolls, to a place where you have maybe a six pack, right? So that is the aim of transformation. But what we notice in those things is that they take photos along the way. Do you ever notice that? So they'll take photos of when they start and then they'll take photos later on, right? But the thing that struck me over the last one we've been looking at this, and when my mind's been brought to that, right? I was going to show you a photo, but I thought it would be out of line, right? <laughs> no, not of me, no. <laughs> no, no chance, <laughs> right? Dear knows how so, right? But what, I'm, what I've been kind of thinking about this transformation, when I'm looking at the charges, it's the changes, right? But the thing is, you'll never see them take a photo a week later. You'll never see them put a photos of maybe two weeks later because why they don't do it is because they'll not see significant change. It's because they'll not see a change after a week in the body. They'll not look at themselves, oh, flip, looking really good now. It's usually after at least six weeks. Why is that? Because they understand it takes a considerable time for you to change into the person you want to be. But what is the key in transformation is to know the end goal. So they strive for this body. They strive to feel healthier. So they're willing to take the time. My way, he's not way, he's 19. My brother-in-law, Jordy, I've got permission from him to say this. So he's on this health kick at the minute. And he sends me these things every week. Now, after, but he didn't send me the first six weeks. I was going to show his photo, but then I didn't. But now he's sending me them every week because he wants encouraged. He wants us to say, yes, you're transforming. Yes, you're getting a six-pack. Yes, your packs are getting bigger, all that kind of stuff, right? But why? Because he wants to be a certain way. He knows the end goal. And that's when I think of Paul and Timothy, particularly in our charges. We need to know the end goal. We need to know why Paul is charging Timothy to do these things. And then we have to take on the fact that we need to realize it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. You're not going to hear my charge today about reading the, world, reading the Word and dividing it, and tomorrow you're going to do it once and you're changed. It's not going to be like that. It's commitment. It's long-term. Come back to me in three months, and then I can guarantee you see a change. So that is what doing. That is kind of what I want us to be thinking about when we are doing this. Because the bottom line is, what's encouraged me so much in this thing, in this kind of series, is the stories that we have heard about people wanting to go out and get their Pauls and get their Timothys. This has stirred something up in our family, which is only going to make us healthier. The fact that people are now recognizing the need, the twos and the threes in their lives, to grow in their faith. They need to have someone further on to disciple them, to make them change into being who they're meant to be. But also, the Pauls in this house or understanding they have something to give. Understanding people need them to step up and help change other people to be more Christ-like. So that is exciting. And just keep that in your thoughts as we go forward um, in this. So, who is your Paul and who is your Timothy? Oh, yeah. Who, yes, I just spoke about that. Right. 
So, my charge, right? So I've been given this charge. It's in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.15, and it's on the screen. It says this, Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. As I said, this is going to be the third week in a row. It's, it's centered around the Bible. Sometimes we can say, oh, here we go on all the Bible talk. But if it's three weeks in a row, and if Paul has given three charges to Timothy about Bible, about the Word, we have to start to understand the importance of it. We have to start to recognize this isn't something we just pick up when we want. This isn't something that we speak about because we have to speak about it because it's what we know. It is something that will transform our lives. Paul recognized that these words will transform Timothy into the leader, into the man of God that he has to be. So don't switch off just because you're here and it's another, it's another talk about the Bible. Switch on even more because there's a reason why there's three in a row. There's reasons why Paul is really pushing into Timothy to read the Bible. So this is kind of, as I kind of looked at this, I sense there's a flow through this, right? I sense there's, four, there's three mini charges to the big charge at the end, right? And there's reasons for this. So for me, the big charge at the end is to explain the word of truth. That is the end goal of this charge. But to get there, there's three other mini charges inbuilt into this. That if you don't get right, you can't do the end goal. So if you don't, for example, we go back to my way brother-in-law, if he doesn't eat right, if he doesn't have good exercise, if he doesn't rest, if he doesn't drink, he'll not get his end goal at looking great, right? Still not look as good as me, but he'll be all right. So, understand this, that there's three mini charges to end with a big charge at the very end. So the first charge is to work hard. In all the translations, it means to study, right? And this is where I'm impressing myself, right? I'm going all Greek, right? I sent this to Ali, and he was chuffed, right? So, study in Greek means that word, right? I'm not that, I'm not that unfair with my Greek yet, right? Lindsay tried to teach me over lunch, but it wasn't working. It's spiridosio. No? Right, that's what it is, right? But what it means... Right? And this is a cool thing. What it means is it means to hasten to do a thing, to exert yourself, to strive and to endeavor. Right? That's what it means. <laughs> Checklings. <laughs> lucky, lucky I have thick skin in this house, isn't it? Like? That's all right, don't worry. I'll speak to the end of the tour. <laughs> got the approval of the mother, right? So, let's get back on track. So, study, right? That's what it means. But we can kind of think of study as something like read and memorize and analyzing, right? But as I said, the key meaning of this is to devote yourself. This is what he's meaning when it says work hard, to devote yourself. The word, it doesn't simply mean read and memorize. That's not what this is about. That's not what Paul is calling Timothy to do. It's just not open your Bible, read, do a few memory verses. Did you recall a couple of weeks later? That's not what he's talking about. It carries so much more, this word. 
It's meaning hasten to do things, to exert yourself to strive and to endeavor. It's also used two other times in the Bible. One in Ephesians 4, 3. It says, endeavor, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in bond of peace. It's also used in Hebrews 4 and 11. It goes, we are to be vigilant. Jacqueline. <laughs> to make every effort to appear, enter into God's rest. So it's something more. It's a deeper kind of study than just reading. Picture this. We want someone that is devoting their entire hearts, souls, energies, and all they have in their mind to something. We want, Paul wanted Timothy to be that with the Word. Paul wanted Timothy to devote his heart to it, devote his soul to devote his energy and devote his mind. To love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind. That's what he's called Timothy to do. But yet when we look at Christians today, they find this difficult. When I asked around over the last two weeks, do you read your Bible daily? No. No. And some people are afraid to even confess they don't read it. So it's something that we actually really need to pay attention on. It's a call that Paul has actually given us all. That is not good enough just to read your Bible just for the sake of reading it. That's not it. Phil said last night, discipline becomes a delight last week. We have to read the Bible before it to become a delight in our hearts. When, we first, when I first started looking at this verse, it was, he read it, and then I thought, okay, this is what I think I could do about it, and all this, and then me and Lynn talked about it. And then what was so cool is the more we got into it, the more I read, the more I researched, it was completely different to what I originally thought. So if I just took it from one word, from one reading, I'd have been talking completely something else here. It was because I realized, okay, I need to get into the heart of it. I need to dig down into what do these Greek words mean, which I never do in my life. But I realized there was something on this. And this is the depth that we have to go when we read and we study. Don't just read it first and say, I've got it, I'm touched, I know what it is, I'm all right. It's not that. Dig deep into it. When we even look at the disciples, if you read when Jesus talks in parables and stuff, most of the time he'll go back later on when he's around the campfire, he's eating with his disciples, and the disciples will ask him to explain it in more detail. So even the disciples understood they had to learn even more from what Jesus was saying about four hours later. So they went and said, explain that again to me. Explain, what did you actually mean about that? Go deeper, Jesus. So if the disciples are doing it way back then, it's been passed on to Paul. Now Paul is trying to pass it on to Timothy. It's good enough for me. So please remember, the study is just not to read and to memorize. It's actually just to delve in, jump in, and just see what it means. A few ways that you can help yourself study um, is to read together, get away accountability, like Paul and Timothy. Um, Ryan says he's listening in Ibiza, so I'll give him a shout out to Ryan. Right? But me and him are reading the Bible in a year. And why we're doing it is because we want to delve into it more. We're keeping each other accountable. It challenges me because I'm not going to let someone that I'm meant to be disciple and read the Bible in a year and I quit. Right? That's not very good. But we are keeping each other accountable in that. 
What I find is I spend at least a couple of months when I'm reading a book in that same book and just read it over again, read it over again, read it over again for at least a month to six weeks. And I find that just gets me a bigger picture of what the book means and God reveals so much of us just to blast through it in a day and not go back to it again. And we have so much study plans out there, there's really no excuse anymore not to study the Bible. Young people, young people in faith, older people in faith, there's no excuses anymore. We can't stand here and say, no, I'm too lazy. No, there's no material. That is not good enough anymore. This book, Richard Foster's Celebration of Disciplines, is a chapter in that about study. I recommend you read it. It will blow your mind about what actually studying the Bible is. And it'll take you step by step how to do it. So that's the first mini charge. Second one is this. Present yourself to God and receive his approval. We know this day and age, and it wasn't just now, it's way back from the world began. We seek our approval as humans of humans. We want our approval of so many things, whether it's a sports team, whether it's our parents, whether it's our friends. We seek approval of other beings, right? But what this is saying is not to seek the approval first of them. It is meaning to seek the approval of God, your Father. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's the approval that Paul is challenging Timothy to go after. Not the church in Ephesians and Ephesus, not those people. Not his mom, not his dad, not his friends or his people he's discipling. His Father. That is why, and here we go again. How about that? Two words in Greek, right? And approved in Greek is dokimo. No. <laughs> what is it? Dokimos, right? <laughs> it sounds like a Pokemon, doesn't it? Right? <laughs> and this means accepted, pleasing, and acceptable, right? So when you kind of study this word, this is the thing, this is the fascinating thing about it. What this word talks about is like when you put gold or silver or metal through a fire furnace, right? And what this is for is to get away with all the impurities. So it's to kind of get away with all the rubbish, all the garbage, the leave, and all that comes to the top and it leaves a pure gold. That's what this word's about. That's the word, what it means to be approved, to be accepted. After that hardship, after that burning fire of a metal, the pure gold or silver is left. That's the dokumos. That's the accepted, approved. My challenge to this is, when we are put through the fire, when we have to go through this fire furnace in our lives, what will be left in us? What is the mass of our faith that will be left? What is the weight of our faith in our lives that will be left for Jesus? Do we have too many impurities? When it goes through the fire, it ends up with nothing. Or is it when we go through the fire, we are left with this mass amount of faith and love for Jesus that we get approved for? And when we do this, when we go through that hardship, and when we set ourselves and accepted before God because of our faith and the mass amount of it, we carry that with us. 
We need to understand. We talk about atmospheres and what we carry. When we go in a room and we know we're approved, and we know that our approval comes from Jesus and comes from God in heaven, then we carry that into our rooms. Then we become so attractive to other people. There's a quote that I did years and years ago, all the young people, if they were there about 10 years ago, it goes this saying, live a life true to Christ and we become dangerously attractive. If we live a life that is approved by God, we are attractive no matter what. The pure faith in us will attract other people. And that is the encouraging thing about this. So to sum this, which many charge up, is being aware of who we are and whose you are. Being aware of who you are, your son, a daughter, and being aware of who you are, you're God's. That's the important part in this. So how can we help ourselves to feel approved and be approved? First and foremost is prioritizing his presence, spending time with him, Studying, reading, and worship, and prayer, it's just engulfing yourself in his presence. Second one is walk in unity with other believers. Be a peacemaker. If you're reading the other charges, Paul is just telling Timothy all over again, don't bicker over stupid things. Over and over again. Why? Because we have to be peacemakers. Share your story with people. Give Jesus our time. Don't be afraid to say you love Jesus. Don't be afraid to tweet you love Jesus. Don't be afraid to even share something on Facebook that you love Jesus. And the last one is have a Paul in your life. Have people in your life that can correct you, can pick out your impurities, can mold you, can shape you, can push you to challenge you that we've talked about. Have Pauls in your life to do that. So that's the two. So study, receive his approval. Next one is to be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed. In the previous chapter, Paul says three times not to be ashamed of your faith. It's really cool. One of them actually is really is the fact when he's in prison, he's saying the people who come to visit him aren't ashamed of it. How cool is that? That they aren't ashamed to be known as Christians to go meet someone who is. That is, that is, that's faith. That's someone who loves Jesus. Who doesn't care what anyone else thinks they want to be Jesus. Imagine, and this is not to be ashamed as in, this is about your deep integrity. Deep down, what do you do with what you've got? Everyone, every day, everywhere. That is what this is meaning. Be a good worker who does not need to be ashamed because you know that every day you're giving Jesus your all. Every day you're trying to improve yourself. Every day you want to better who you are in Jesus. Every day you want to bring Jesus into your workplace or in your schools. This is what it's about. Our greatest ability is our availability, has been said. Is giving yourself to God. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about in everything you do, do it for Jesus. And then you can stand in front of him and you can be confident. I always have this 
analogy about when I'm eyeballing God, when I'm in heaven, and I'm standing in front of him, face to face, eyeball to eyeball, how am I going to stand? Am I going to be like the parable of talents, the one who brought, probably came shameful because he didn't use it? He didn't want to, he didn't want to risk it. I always think, what's my posture going to be when I'm, am I going to stand like this? Because I'm ashamed of what I've done, what he's given me. I'm ashamed of the fact that I didn't do something I knew I should have done for him. I'm ashamed because I just didn't give him my all because I didn't want to feel weird. Or I didn't want my friends to ditch me because I love Jesus. What is your posture going to be like when you're eyeballing Jesus? Two things came when I was thinking about this as well. It says, like, for me, I need to have the attitude, like the psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. We say this every day. We say this every week. That's a good philosophy to live by. And at the end of the day, I want to be facing them. And I want to be able to say what Paul said. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. If I can stand there and eyeball him and say that, I am not ashamed. I am confident. I am not cocky. I am confident. I am bold because I know I have given my all. I know I have run this race. I fought the fight. I have done some damage in the kingdom. And I have laid it all for Jesus. That is not... That's what it means by not being ashamed for Jesus. Lindsay shared this story with me today. Billy Graham's son described him as fat. If he's no, and not fat, fat. It kind of says he's faithful, available, and teachable. That's what Billy Graham was. I'm sure he stood in front of Jesus and God, and he was not ashamed of what he did. So, the last one, the end goal of this charge. So these are leading up. I, you, cannot, you couldn't have done this one if you haven't done the other three. So you can't go and speak the word and explain the word in truth if you haven't studied it, if you haven't got the approved, and if you aren't confident in who you are. This will not work. So you need to understand this is the end goal in this charge. When we go back to the body coach, this is us looking trim and lean and fit, right? And when we speak about this, I always sense when I'm reading it, like Paul just wants Timothy to go and speak the truth in the people's life because the truth, as it says, will set you free. This is what it's about. Paul wants Timothy to set people free by speaking the truth. The Great Commission. We have to go and we have to do it. We have to lead people to Jesus. This is a way we can do it. When we speak the truth then the people, it'll set them free. Jesus said that. This is the end goal in this charge. To set people free. To bring people to Jesus. Explain the truth means this. To rightly cut, to cut straight. Right? We have to be precise, 
clear, assertive, and confidence in when we speak the truth. We have to be precise, clear, confident, and assertive. A bit like a surgeon, you've heard this, a surgeon will go in and he will use a sharp scalpel. Why? Because it's life or death. He knows he needs to cut right. He needs to cut straight. Imagine he went in with a blunt scalpel, even worse, a hacksaw or a chainsaw. That would be carnage. It would be absolutely carnage. But what we find is people are there view the word and teach the word like that. Bluntness with a chainsaw. And when you're given advice, you cause carnage because you don't speak it in truth and you don't divide it. And for me, this is what it's about. It's about speaking the truth to people precisely and assertively that they come to know Jesus. And when you go on in the later chapters, in chapter 4, Paul says this, it says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires, and they will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itchy ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. That's what's coming. That's what's here. We need people, we need followers of Jesus to speak the truth. Precisely assertively, confidently in the being. And as a band comes up, there's one guy who did this, and I know Dave referenced him this morning, right? I know, I watched the wedding, right? But yet, if we want to talk about someone who probably studied the Word, who finds his approval in his Father, and who was not ashamed of who he was, and he spoke the word in truth, precisely. He had two billion people listening. He could have done this. He could have tickled their ears. He could have just said a wishy-washy talk with 600 famous people sitting in the church. But did he know? Why? Because he wanted to be precise. And he spoke the word. And he spoke about love. And he still spoke about Jesus. And you could not leave that thing without knowing that you needed him. And I seen this thing on thing. It said, when William and, what's the other one called? No, his wife, Kate, got married. So, that's shameful. Sorry. <laughs> when William and Kate got married, they said that Pepper stole the show. This is what John said. But what they said yesterday was when Harry and Megan, Michael Curry stole the show. How amazing is that, that an actual pastor stole a show of a wedding with two million people? That's the charge that Timothy has given us. That is the charge that he's given Paul. And that is the charge we must take on. So just to finish, the balance is going to, I'm not going to do a big massive response like I usually do. But I always feel that when you hear something, you have, to, you have to respond. You have to think, what is God saying to me tonight about this? Is he challenging the fact you aren't reading your Bible enough? Which I'm guessing for 80% in here, that is one. But it goes back 
to transformation. It goes back to who are you coming to be? Who are you transforming into being? Are you coming more like Jesus every day? Like the other charges are pushing us to, or are you not? Are you willing to go the distance to get to the end goal? Are you willing to go through some barren stages where you mightn't see fruit, where you mightn't see change, but you know at the end you will? Or are you going to be people that just give up because after two, three weeks you don't see anything? We need people to last the course. We need people to study the Word, to feel approved by God, not to be ashamed that they love Jesus, but also, more importantly, to win people by speaking the truth precisely, assertively, and confidently in the being. That is what Paul is charging us to. So what I'd love you just to do is, the guys are just going to sing a song. I just want, and I would love you to do that, we are full of distraction in the world. And for me to say, sit there for a couple of minutes and be quiet, it's like, whoa, why he's up, right? But I want you to do it. It's too important for you not. I just love you for a couple of minutes as these guys play a song to close your eyes and to search your soul. Imagine Paul is speaking to you. Are you reading and studying your Bible? When's the last time you dug deep? Are you approved by God? Are your impurities more or less than the mass of pure faith in your life? Are you ashamed of what you're doing? Are you confident in what you're doing with your faith? And lastly, when you've done all those three things, then I believe we can speak the truth. So just take a few minutes or so, close your eyes, and just let God and the Spirit just move and challenge us tonight. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.